Hi everyone, it's Aliza Licht here, your host, and I'm so thrilled to share that my new book, On Brand, Shape Your Narrative, Share Your Vision, Shift Their Perception, is out now. I hope you'll pick up a copy because personal branding is for everyone. It's for the new graduate starting out, the middle manager looking to level up, the executive who wants to be a thought leader, the entrepreneur starting from scratch. It's for anyone who wants to pivot or transition into something new. Because having a strong personal brand means that your name gets dropped in rooms you're not in and that you're thought of for opportunities that other people haven't even heard of yet. So pick up a copy and I can't wait to hear what you think. Hi, this is Aliza Licht, and this is Leave Your Mark, the podcast, where I brew fresh career advice with some of my most inspiring and successful friends. It's professional advice that you can action immediately, whether you're just starting out in your career or well on your way. With a massive to-do list and a large cup of coffee, I promise that you can get it all done and still have time to post about it. I'm excited to introduce my guest today on Leave Your Mark, Teresa Abagwa, a Nigerian-born, LA and London-based luxury footwear designer. Teresa, welcome to Leave Your Mark. Your story is pretty incredible. And for everyone listening, in 2012, Teresa had this vision for luxury footwear inspired by her African heritage. And you brought that to life and named after your daughters, Chelsea and Paris. Chelsea Paris was born. You really are embodying diverse creativity, global perspective, timeless luxury. And if you all listening have not heard of Chelsea Paris yet, so you know you'll be in very good company with Zendaya, Beyonce, Lupita, Selena. I mean, you can name anyone (laughs) and Chelsea Paris is on their feet. So it's great to meet you, Teresa. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a great opportunity and a pleasure to be here. Oh, my God. Well, I'm excited because as much as we all are obsessed with shoes as women yes, and men too, you don't often hear of someone embarking into this specific category in recent years where they've actually made the level of impact on a celebrity level that you have. But before we dive into all that glam, I think it's funny because your background is totally different. This is not your childhood dream. This is not what you thought you were going to do. So Mm -hmm. you studied what? Okay. So I studied computer science. Actually, it's been a childhood dream of mine to actually be in the footwear industry. My parents are African, like you said, Nigerian, and Nigerian parents are really conservative. And they they didn't believe fashion was a career. So they stared me into doing a proper career. So I went to school for computer science. I also have an MBA and um, I worked in corporate America. I was brought up in the UK, but I moved to the US when I got married, worked in corporate America for about 10 years, but I wasn't fulfilled. And when my mother passed, I felt life was too short not to follow your dreams. So my way back from London, from the funeral back to LA, I literally had my aha moment on the plane. I was reading a magazine about footwear designers and how they got their start. And I caught the bug. I'm like, you know what? Life is short. I'm going to pursue my dreams. Go to LA, told my husband, I'm going back to school. I want to follow my dreams. That's literally how I started. Wow. 
All right. So as a child, I get it. Playing dress up with shoes. I mean, we all did it, right? That was yes, the yes. I think the best thing we could ever do as a little girl <laughs> is try on our mother's high heels, right? But what about your mother's passing? I mean, quite honestly, a lot of people lose parents and don't yes. have this epiphany moment of wanting to actually go for something like that. What was yes. the connection between her passing and this revelation for you? I think her passing just brought me to reality. I saw her work so hard as a role model for me to accomplish her dreams. She was actually an entrepreneur and she was very stylish. She was actually my muse. I, like you said, I played in a wardrobe. I saw how she put her clothing and her fashion together. So I've always known I wanted to do something in shoes particularly. But her passing and being on an 11-hour flight from London to LA with a magazine behind my seat, a business magazine chronicling all this household designers like Christian Louboutin, Jimmy Choo. And um, I just read their stories and it really, really resonated with me. I think I was vulnerable and I was emotional. I'm like, life is really short. Why don't I follow my passion? This is really what I have always wanted to do something in the footwear space. I really didn't know what it was, but my passion has always been in fashion and shoes specifically, because as a young girl, I'll buy shoes from flea markets and I would change them. I would take them to the cobbler. And there's always something I wanted to make it better, whether it was function or the design. That was a knack. I was known for it among my friends and family. Always. A cobbler knew me. And once I get it, like, Teresa, what do you want to change that? <laughs> so <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. So how many years into your career was this moment? Okay. Into my career, I'll say from school to actually working. For me, living in America was about 10 years. But what really sparked it, I would say, is my mother's passing. I didn't think of it during the funeral. But on the plane ride back to LA, it's a long flight. You have a lot of talks. And then I read this magazine that really connected the dots for me. And I think because I was just grieving and I was just like, why don't I do what makes me happy? What if I die tomorrow and I'm just trying to fulfill my parents' dreams? I get it. But, you know, it's such a big undertaking. First of all, to say that you're going to do it, right? You're going to go back to school to study shoe design. Mm -hmm. And then it's a really hard industry to be successful in. It's really hard. See, I think mine was ignorance. It's ignorance and sleep. <laughs> Honestly, if I had to do it all over again, oh my God, I have so many lessons. I call my lessons bullets because it was actually like betting a baby. It was so difficult because this is a huge journey. It was me being so bold. Being so ignorant, I didn't have a mentor. I searched everywhere. And that's something that is actually a, a passion project for me later in life. There was no mentor for me. There was nobody in the shoe industry that looks like me. And I didn't want to just do shoes because I was raised in Europe. I was already used to European craftsmanship. I was used to made in Italy shoes. So I knew I wanted to do that. So I went back to school, did my research, went back to school in Italy, lived in Milan for one year. Then my instructors were able to create an apprenticeship for me with factories in Tuscany. Then I moved to Tuscany and lived there for another one year and a half. And then, wait for it, I told my husband, I'm like, for me to do this and be successful, I have to be close to my manufacturing. Creativity, inspiration has to come from Europe. It has to come from what I know, from my heritage, my country. We need to move back to Europe, literally, from LA back to London, because I needed help with the babies. My family was in London. My husband is also British. His family, his mom and his parents, his sisters, my immediate family 
were also in England. So I knew I would have family support to help me with the kids. I literally moved my entire family from Los Angeles back to London. And I lived in Italy, literally Monday through Friday. I'm walking, I'm crafting, then back to London, Friday through Sunday. Monday morning, I'm back on the plane. I did that for years. Wow. Well, first of all, you have a really good husband. Let's just say that because not every, and some husbands would be like, nice try. We're not doing that. We had issues, but you know, it is. But you worked through them. Okay. So when you were thinking about crafting your brand and I understand the inspiration of the name. Yes. How do you describe your brand? The DNA of my brand is actually African artistry, African artistry, European craftsmanship. And originality of designs. I knew I wanted to be in the luxury space. The luxury space is saturated with like big names. You have the LVMHs, you have the Gucci's. And then when you get to the niche designers, they don't look like me. They're mostly European white men or a few white women. So I was lost. And a lot of people till this day, I, we just launched at Blooming this last summer. When we went on the floor and I had to do a knowledge transfer to the sales floor, they were looking at me like this in a ghost. They were like, you're Chelsea Paris or you're a representative? I said, no, I'm Teresa Ibagua. Chelsea Paris is my baby and they are named after my kids. Even till 2022, people are still shocked that the face of a luxury shoe brand that is doing so well is being fronted and owned by a Black woman. True story. I believe you. But I mean, listen, that's why you're coming on Leave Your Mark today. <laughs> First of all, I mean, I love it because my job, besides, you know, obviously bringing on guests to deliver career advice, I love exposing the Leave Your Mark community to Thank new you. and interesting people who are doing super cool things. <laughs> so now you've decided to craft this brand. Mm -hmm. What are some of the first steps you took to like make it real? Because there's a lot in concept, right? You can be sketching by yourself. You can be sort of in your own head. Yes. But how did yes. you get your first sample done? And when you did that, what did it feel like? Oh, my God. I still remember. For me, the conception is in my head. And it's so difficult to transfer conception to reality. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. The design part was really easy. Coming up with the ideas was really, really easy conceptualizing it and actually making it a reality was a difficult part, but that was actually the part I enjoyed. It was actually working with the factories, working with the artisans in Italy saying that, okay, this is the sketch. This is actually how I need to translate it and collecting the components from the heels, the insoles for the material, going to the leather factory, and then literally creating the pattern on paper. I needed the artisan to understand my vision because it's all in my head and I have to find a way to creatively express what I was looking for. So we did a, a lot of trials. You do a first pattern, I'll make the corrections. That's the part I really enjoy. So I'll make the corrections, I'll cut, I'll try, I'll fit it on my foot. I try it on, we'll make corrections. At times we take five iterations of a design to come to exactly how I want it to be. And once it's done, they do a sample for you by hand. And oh my God, when I really got my first sample, the first few samples, I believe there were like three styles and I had them in two colorways each. I took them to London. It was like I'd won the jackpot. You won them all the sweat and tears. But then I'm like, oh my God, would people actually like it? <laughs> well, that's always a concern. I think especially as a woman, you understand fit. Yes, I do. And fit is something that, listen, I mean, I am way older than my 
yesteryear is in fashion and I refuse to wear shoes that are uncomfortable. Like you just can't do it anymore. <sighs> so I know that was important to you too, to make sure that like women yes. could actually wear these and not die. Yeah. Like fit and function was really key to me because in fact, three things were key to me, fit, function, and timelessness. I didn't want it to be just a fashion moment. I wanted these shoes to represent your identity. So be in your closet, live in your closet. And when you feel a certain way, you're like, okay, this is the shoes I want to wear because this is how I feel today. I want you to live in the shoes. And because I am my own customer, I'm able to actually try the shoes on and actually walk in them and actually live in them. I am also that customer that buys the luxury brands. that I buy them, I hold them, I get to the party, I put them on, you know, sashay in the party for a little bit, get in the car, take them off, wear my slippers. That well, that's me. And I'm like, okay, no, I want you to be able to live in these shoes. And we had a, a testament actually recently. We were on CBS News for Black History Month and Gail King bought a pair of pumps from us from five years ago. So they were spotlighting a different shoe. And during the segment, she's like, I know this brand. We didn't gift her the shoes. Let me tell you, she actually reached out to buy those shoes. Amazing. And she's like, well, I own a pair from five years ago and they are so comfortable. And she literally showed it on TV that, this is my pair. It's not what we're selling, but this is another pair I have, a pump I bought from Chelsea Paris five years ago. I live in this. That was the ultimate compliment. That is amazing. And I also love when celebrities actually buy things. Yes. When you think about it, it's like supporting <laughs> female-led brands. It's like, it's actually yes, yes. a really important thing. So in an industry, like you said, sort of dominated by a certain type, did you face any challenging moments where you felt like you were sort of not being embraced? Like when you sort of integrated yourself into the industry, did you ever mm -hmm. feel like it was hard to be there or were people very welcoming? It was very, very difficult to be there. It was very, very difficult to be there. I showed my first collection 2014 in Paris. And I remember... Some people will come to the booth and think I'm a salesperson for the brand. And I would explain, no, I'm actually, this is my baby. And I remember at one point, vividly, a lady came in and she really loved me. She's like, for you to succeed in this industry, you need to change the face of the brand. I'm like, what do you mean, actually? She's like, you need to change the face of the brand. You need to get a white man to represent the brand and you can be behind. I swear to what? God. What? No, yes. no. And she was trying to help me because she wanted me to succeed. But I'm stubborn, you know, because for me to go into an industry so boldly with not knowing if I'll be accepted or what challenges that I was going to face, which I faced a few, I actually felt like there's a challenge that no, is it that you're accepting me and my brand? And it really shouldn't be about me, right? It should be about the product. I'm selling shoes. I'm selling beautiful shoes that fit perfectly. It should be the, pro I always felt the product should be able to stand on its own, regardless of who the designer is. You know, so even when I meet with Joe, Joe's like, no, Teresa is about you. But it's, I've always been like, let the product speak for itself. You know, it, it shouldn't really be if I'm black or white, male, female. It should just be, this is a beautiful product. This is a luxury shoe designed by Teresa Ibagor and the brand is called Chelsea Paris. So it's always been the struggle that I've always fought against and I'm still continuing. The older I get now, the more emboldened I actually am that, yeah, you don't have so many people that look like me in the luxury footwear shoes, but you're going to accept me. I'm here to stay because my products really, really are damn beautiful and they fit properly. When that person suggested that, what did you actually say in response? 
Besides like lifting your jaw off the floor that someone really had the nerve to say that. I know she was trying to help, but like. I think I was shocked. And actually in the very early on, I told myself that I was open to critique and I just does them off. I don't take anything personal because I was so on this drive to be better, to be a good designer, to learn from my mistakes and listen to people that have been before me and just listen to things around me. So when she told me that, I took it in. I knew I wasn't going to change, but I just thanked her. I said, thank you for your advice because I heard a lot and I still do. But the second time I went to Paris, I was in the Chanel store. I had to return something for my sister. And then came in, I can't remember her name. She was dating George Clooney at the time. And she came into Chanel and she was in Chelsea, Paris. Wow. I was like, this is a testament that I'm doing the right thing. I know it's difficult. It's really, I want your audience to understand that my story is peculiar, but it's a difficult journey. It's not something that don't quit your day jobs. Designing and going into the luxury space is crazy difficult. There's so many rejections. You have to pack your ego because you're going to be rejected so many times, so many yeah. times. So it's not for the faint of that. I think I just went in blindly. That actually helped a little bit. So I wasn't scared. I wasn't scared of the unknown. I just, I was very, very bold with my choices and my decision. And I just went into it. But there's so many sleepless nights and crying nights where I try to show the collection and it's not accepted or I try to get an appointment and I don't get it or something doesn't turn out. Those things would deter you to stop. But I just kept going. I would cry and then I would, I would receive the bullet and I'll bounce right back. I'm like, okay, what was a lesson here? Literally, I lived it. It was my entire life. I was consumed. I had no time for my husband. Luckily, my immediate family were just my support system and my best friend, like, it's okay. This is really your passion. Just go. Just keep going. Just keep going. Just you can't work this hard. Something will click. Yeah. And yeah. Listen, I think when you have a strong point of view and you have talent and you have the guts to stick with it, yes. you see great things. So my background before writing Leave Your Mark and doing all of this was in fashion PR. And I worked for 17 years at Donna Karen and I started my career doing accessories as an intern at Harper's Bazaar. And then I moved over to Mary Claire and I was doing accessories. And then when I went to Donna Karen, I was doing essentially shoe PR. So my relationship with shoes and living in a closet, it goes deep. Back then, this is the late 90s, Uh you know, PR really moved the needle on brands. So when we think about the level of celebrities who have worn Chelsea Paris today, how have you built those relationships? Are you spending a lot of time in LA? Are you courting stylists? Like, what do you think moves the needle today for a brand? Yes, good question. For me, when I started, the celebrity exposure I got, I would actually, I don't want to take all of the credit. I have to thank two people for it. One is Barney's. Because my second showing in Paris, Barney's approached me and they liked just one shoe, sold them. I can remember that shoe very well. It was called an angel, it was a new. One shoe sold them. The fashion director was working the shows and she saw the brand. And she liked it so much. I wasn't sure they were going to write. She just took some notes. And then I had an agent that was also in Paris that um, they could work with. It took literally almost six weeks before I head back. And the agent called me that they placed an order. Their first order was 480 pairs in wow. six doors for a second, a new designer. And they introduced me to the American market. They wanted exclusivity, which I'm sure you're used to. And 
they wanted an exclusivity for two full years. Wow. For them to build the brand. But having the shoes on the Barney's floor and having me go to each Barney's store from New York to Chicago to LA to do all of this product trainings, it was crazy. And I had to have PR. So I had to find a PR agency then. My PR lady then, she was, oh my God, she really worked hard for the brand because the American public didn't know what Chelsea Paris was, this European brand from the UK. But because it was on the floor at Barney's, they could generate so many press and they could reach out to stylists. Stylists in Los Angeles, stylists in New York, they would do press fittings and their press days because the shoes were so eclectic. I mean, I'm, I've actually toned them down now. I used to use a lot of snake, real snake skin prints, real exotic materials, really eclectic designs. And it was really just, they're African, I'm playing homage to my African heritage. So I pick ideas from different parts of Africa, season by season. So the shoes were really, the reception to them, I, I can tell. Beyonce alone has worn my shoes more than six, seven times. Wow. And it just, really just, they were so organic. And she was like, Teresa, I don't get it. Everybody's calling. Women's wear daily, whatever, for these shoes. So I really have to thank Barney's and I have to thank Liz. I really have to thank those people. They were really my advocates. But the exposure and the equity we've built in the American brand, American industry, American market today is really thanks to Barney's because we were there with Barney's till the bankruptcy. First of all, it's such a credit to you that your first store was Barney's because Obviously, they had a very critical eye. Extremely. I miss Barney's. I, I do too. I'm so sad. So sad. <laughs> but if you have to study today now, I'll just add this point for new designers. Uh, I think the landscape has changed a little bit because marketing right now is really at your tips of your fingers. You have social media. You have so many outlets now that, yes, traditional press is still great. But if your product really, really works, you can actually start with social media to kind of just expose your product. Yes. Are you working at all in influencer marketing as well? I am. Um, initially, was I was so slow to get into it because I didn't really get it. By the time I started, I was really into wholesale and I was building a direct-to-consumer business. But I started my direct-to-consumer business. I've seen that, oh my God, influencers are really, really important. But I feel like you have to choose the right influencers that actually speak to your audience. So my shoes are luxury. Obviously, there's a certain price tag to them. So I'm a little bit picky with influencers. It has to be the influencer that can actually help move the needle. So yep. I like influencer marketing, but it's hit or miss. You have to make sure it's the right audience. Absolutely. In the landscape today in fashion, there are some really, really talented Black designers that have made an incredible impact. And it's a really exciting time. I think as opposed to maybe when you started, where you were sort of new on the scene, <laughs> I think you're in amazing company now in yes. different categories. How do you feel about, in general, Black designers in the industry today? Do you know each other? Because I think it's so important to like build that community from the ground up. We know each other, yes and no, but support has been crazy. Like even I have so many Black, black and white designers, actually reaching out to me, reaching out to the brand, wanting to spotlight us for different things. And for the last two years, the support has really, really been amazing. You know, even influencers. There's a girl, Tamu McPherson. She's in Milan. She's my forever most. She has a huge following. And she reached out to me personally and spotlight me on different of our platforms, wearing my shoes, just 
talking about my story. So the support from the Black community and also from the white community has actually been amazing, I must say, because we, every day or every other day, we're getting somebody, another brand wanting to expose us, whether it's clothing or accessories or hair care. I have so many products in my house right now from people just sending me stuff and wanting to like, oh my God, we love what you're doing. We want to spotlight you for women, Black History Month or Women's History Month or whatever the flavor of the month. And uh, I think that's beautiful. And this is unsolicited, you know, so. That's great. I'm really grateful. Yeah. I mean, I would like to build more that community. I would like to get more into my other Black designers to make sure that we have a community that actually yeah. is strong and lasts and stays at the test of time. It's so important. Like I have always felt I really want to amplify great work and people who I know or people who I know who know other people who are doing great work and are talented. But I think it's so great when you see someone who has supported you in the past and then you can turn that around. Yes. And I feel like if everyone just did more of that, yes, we would all just sort of rise together, which is an amazing thing. I totally agree. And actually, one of our ethos now is actually paying it forward. I mean, we try to support the underserved communities. Like every sale that we sell on our website, 10% of it goes to a woman in sub-Sahara Africa amazing. that is building their own business. And I think it's really, really important to pay it forward. But bringing it back to the Black designers, there are some people doing really great things. There's this pledge, I don't know if you've heard of it, the 15% pledge. I feel like what they're doing is really holding the industry accountable and making sure that you recognize that Black consumer and making sure that on your shelf space, you have 15% represented because that's what we look like. So I think there's a lot of accountability going around and there's a lot of companies that want to do better. So every opportunity to uplift and showcase Because at some point, my goal is I hope that when a product is pretty and is well done, you should just be celebrated for what you've put out, whether you're Black or female, male. I just think it really should be about the body of work. Absolutely. And by the way, it is because when you walk into a shoe floor in a Bloomingdale's or a Saks, wherever you want to say, you're looking around the room. I mean... We all do this. It's like you look around the room at the sea of shoes mm-hmm. and you're looking to see like what catches your eye. So the work does speak for itself, right? And then when you put on the shoe, you're like, okay, this has changed my mindset, which is really the power of a great shoe, right? Yes. You can actually instill confidence in the way that you walk. Yes. Yes. I think that's an incredible gift and an incredible power as well. I feel like my shoes build identity. You want something to showcase who you are, to tell a little bit of your personal story, put on Chelsea Paris, because I feel like we build it for that eclectic, free-spirited consumer that just want to showcase their fashion, regardless of, of the trend, and they want their shoes to kind of speak to the identity. What would you say is the hardest part of your job? Oh my God, time. Just time. I'm literally on the road all the time. I'm at the factories that I hope to get to a point where I'll have enough resources that I can train to help execute my, my vision. Right now, the hardest part of my job is just time. That's a good answer. How old are your daughters today? Chelsea's 20 and Paris is actually 16. Oh my gosh. Are they so proud <laughs> of you? I think they are. Yes, they are. They are. But it's so funny. It's funny story. Most times when designers come out with their brand, it's named after them. But I was like, 
do I name it after me or do I name it after my daughters? I wanted to really instill that spirit of fighting for what you believe in and following your passion, whatever it is. And I wanted to be an example to them that I can follow my passion, make a business out of it and be successful. And it shows them hard work. They see my work ethics and what I put into it because this is my baby, it's my love, is what I want to do. And I hope that I'm inspiring to them to follow their own passions, whatever it is. Does anyone want to join you in the business? Maybe Paris. She's a little bit more like me. But Chelsea, she's totally into finance. But I hope she joins. She's very, very own person. And I don't, I'm a mom that don't like to force. I want him to come to me naturally. (laughs) All right. I like it. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) How do you manage your own mindset? You seem like you have great energy. You seem like a very positive, strong person. Is that every day you feel that way? Are there days when you don't? How do you harness that? I don't feel this way every day. I try to, I do yoga a lot. I do it every single day if I can, if not four times a week. When I'm in London, I have a studio that I go to every day because that's the only time I have for myself. The one hour of me just being there just really centers me because my world is so crazy that I can get lost in it. And I've been lost in it. Once Bronnie's went down, I took a break for two years. I just had to really get my mind and my body straight. So yoga has been my go-to when it's really, really crazy. So that's what centers me. Doesn't mean I have so many bad days, but when things are not going your way during market is rushed, it's really, really crazy. But I just try to always return back to yoga to, just to center me. It's not easy to find that hour though. It's not, it's not. But the clarity I get from it once I've done it is what's me making time for it. For people who are thinking about starting something on their own. Yes. What would you tell them to do to center their own vision and think about what they want to put out into the world? First of all, what I would tell them, and this is what I would tell my younger self, is don't start your company right away. If you have a vision and there's an industry or a space you really feel like you want to go into and is your passion, don't quit your day job yet, but look for an internship. Because you want to make sure that you, one, is really your passion. Two, that you have the grit to stay with it. Three, learn from the mistakes of other people. So work for a brand, see what goes into the business of being a brand. Because a lot of the mistakes people make is like, oh, I just want to go into fashion. I want to do this. But fashion, that's your passion. But there's a business behind it that you need to understand that I didn't understand. I had to learn that very quickly. So if I had to do it again, I would actually... Maybe before starting Chelsea Paris, I would have worked for a bigger brand just to lend ropes and see all of the pitfalls that they go through and, and understanding the business from A to Z, even though the designing and the product development is my strength. But you need to know the 360 view of how to run a fashion business. So that's what I would tell, because there's a lot of money. And there's a lot of mistakes you're going to make. And you're going to restart over and over and over and over. And that can really kill your spirit. I had a great support system that kept pushing me. So if I didn't have that support system, I probably would have folded long before. It's not fun. From the outside, it's glam. But inside, it's not. (laughs) It is not for the weary. That is for sure. (laughs) It's not. It's not. And for luxury, because the shoes are expensive, you have to make sure it stands out. It's not seasonal. It's not fast fashion. It has to be in your closet for trend 
after train, it still has to be relevant. Yes, that is a good point. Okay, last question, always the same. How do you ultimately want to leave your mark? What is the headline for your brand? Oh, good question. I think I'll say Chelsea Paris, timeless design, African heritage, and European craftsmanship. Great. <laughs> and I am sure you're going to continue making women's feet very happy for years and yes. years to come. Teresa, this was so great. Thank you for coming on the show. Your product is beautiful. And I loved hearing about your journey. Thank you so much for having me. This is such an opportunity. And thank you. A massive, massive pleasure to have me here today. I really thank you for giving me the opportunity. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Leave Your Mark. If you want more career advice or tips on personal branding, make sure to pick up a copy of my new book, On Brand, Shape Your Narrative, Share Your Vision, Shift Their Perception. Want to land your dream job or kill it in your career? Don't forget about my first book, Leave Your Mark. If you want me to speak at your company or at an offsite, or if you need consulting services, please go to alizalick.com. I would love to connect with you there and on social media. And just remember this, if change doesn't hurt a little, it's not change. Keep on rocking.